0: Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You'll tune into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. And on Fridays, we always try to just amp it up a little. No, I don't try to talk faster, but we try to bring in listeners, people that are experiencing I Work For Him right where they're at, and we're trying to get them to share their stories. And, and we often get contacted from people all over the country that are listening to I Work For Him. This week on iWorkFrame, For Him, we got contacted from somebody in L.A. and in Nigeria that are listening to the show, and that join the I Work For Him Nation. So what does putting your faith into action look like in your workplace, in your daily life? Does it apply right now? Have you got it to a, the point where it applies to everything you do and everywhere you go? Do you have to bring your faith to work even when no one really wants to hear it? Are you struggling with that? People don't really want to hear about your faith, so you're like, well, I'll just leave my faith at home. What I learn on Sunday? Well, I'll just apply it outside of my nine-to-five. But some of you have already started to see it. Some of you have taken that I work for him nation challenge and you're starting to see the impact that praying for people in your workplace makes. How many opportunities have you had in the last few weeks to tell people about what's what's different about you? How has the Lord worked in your life? Because people just when they're having a rough day or they may see that you're having a great day, they may go, what's wrong with you? You're always so happy or you, you always seem content or you seem joyful Or or you just need to pay attention to those that are less fortunate. That's the whole idea. Our faith should be impacting everything we do. We've got two guests today that have stories that you want to hear. First, we've got Victor Bull. He's a local right here in Tampa Bay, and he's got an incredible story to tell that I heard first on Facebook. And I said, "Victor, would you be willing to share that with the iWork for Him audience?" And he said, "You bet, Victor Bowl. Welcome to iWork for Him."
1: Thank you, Jim. I'm glad to be and honored honored to be on your show. This is just a great privilege for me to get to talk and to share with you.
0: Well, I just when I read your, when I read the story that you shared on Facebook, I'm like, he gets it. He gets it. We've got to share that story. It's just too good to pass up. But before we get to your story, I always got to ask this question. How would you like to see the Lord move in your heart this year, Victor? How would you like to see him shape you to be more like Jesus? What's one thing he's really working on in your life?
1: Oh, I would have to say, Jim, uh, I, I kind of think towards Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit. and uh there's nine fruits there, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And it seems like the Lord uh he's given me four girls, four teenage daughters and so I'm always <laughs> needing I'm always needing patience, brother. So uh so they they know how to push my buttons, but I'm I'm uh, a patient man. God's just uh, teaching me that and just need more patience in my life, but uh he's just raising me up to uh be more godly in that area and to uh, exercise those it was uh, the fruit of the Spirit in my life. So,
0: All right, so there's a lot of parents out there listening today that have teenage daughters as well, and they're like, I just feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm a nation of one. But they're not. You yeah. guys are all so... What's one thing you and your bride have done as you are dealing with teenage daughters? What's one thing that's kept you grounded? And you got thirty seconds before we got to go to a break.
1: Sure. Uh, well, we we uh, pray for our daughters constantly. I say prayer prayer is huge, and uh, just having a good talking relationship, open communication line with our daughters is is big, and letting them have the freedom to talk. And my wife is probably one of the key key people in, in making that happen. She just has a unique relationship with the girls. They love her. They love me. But, uh, you know, just uh, my wife and I exercise that love for one another. We just uh, model that before them and uh, model love for my wife and, and just uh, let my daughter see that Amy and I just love each other deeply. And then that kind of just kind of bubbles over to our girls.
0: Victor, why don't you tell, first of all, I, I loved your story. I love, thanks for sharing about your teenage daughters. And, and you know, I laugh alongside of you because I have, I've had two, and my my youngest is now 23, and and I remember those years, and I've got a granddaughter who's 13, or excuse me, who's 11, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I remember those years, and my oldest daughter, she's dealing with those teenage years now, and I'm like, I understand, I understand, you need to pray longer and make sure they know you mean business. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because they the drama, and it's not just the drama that they have individually, it's the drama that their friends put into their lives. Amen. Because teenage girl drama, man, it can flood a country. You've just,
1: been there, it looks like you're on the same chapter as me right now.
0: You know, this is, I, I joke about this all the time, but Mean Girls wasn't a, a Disney movie. It was a documentary. Uh-huh. Did you ever see Mean Girls? I have not seen that. Oh, come on. You don't even know what I'm talking about. So you just kind of agree with me. uh Uh-huh. Okay. (laughs) Tonight, you and Amy, after the girls go to sleep, well, okay, before they go to sleep, rent Mean Girls. Go find it somewhere. You got to watch this movie, and you will laugh your socks off. I'll do it. Okay. You got to do it. Okay, listen. I saw your story on Facebook, and, and I loved it. Why? What what happened? You're getting your tire fixed. What happened? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I was over at uh, this this tire shop over in Tampa, and uh, of course, it had a had a problem with the tire. And he was going to make an adjustment for me and and uh, fix it for me. And so this man's name was Dave, and uh, D- Dave was just kind of rough around the edges. And I could, you know, how tire guys are, are sometimes. And I noticed he had some flowery speech and. Some of the guys in the shop were kind of rough-talking and rough-housing, and through the course of that rough talk, I kind of heard him say uh, something about his marriage and was in trouble, kind of uh, that direction. And so uh, I took Dave aside, and I said, Dave, I, said, I noticed uh, you mentioned something about your, your marriage is in trouble. I said, it sounds like you have a lot more serious problems going on in your life than just your marriage. And he looked at me real serious, and he just said, you know, you're absolutely right. i got a lot more stuff going on in my life that I need help with. So I told him, you know, in the course of that, and I said, Has anyone ever taken the time to walk you through the scriptures and to show you how you can have peace? And he said, Man, no one's ever done that. Well, uh, we had the tire problem had some other issues that he couldn't correct. And he said, You know what? I live over in Clearwater. He said, Why don't I just order a different tire? I'll bring it over to your house, and uh, I'll just make an adjustment that way, and we'll fix it over there. So anyway, about three days later, he comes over to my house and he pulls into my driveway. And of all things, he had a flat tire on his car when he pulled in. <laughs> so I'm kind of a fix-it-all person. I can fix about anything. And so I said, I can fix your tire. So we jacked it up and took it off, put the spare on, and uh, fixed his other tire. And the course of that talking, again, opened up conversations about spiritual matters. And I said, I'd love to share with you you know, what God's been doing in my life. And just kind of one hungry beggar to another hungry beggar just tell you and explain explain to you that the You know, just the peace that God can give you. He said, "I'd really like to do that." He said, "It's kind of late right now. I got to get back home." I said, "How about this? How about you meet me at Calvary uh, this Sunday, which was just, you know, just a few days away?" And I said, "You you can sit with me. I'll just, uh, I'll save you a seat. You sit with me, and then I'll take you out to eat afterwards at a local restaurant." He said, "It's a deal." He did. He was true with that. He came uh, came to church, sat with me. Uh, very nervously sat. It was like the first time I think he's ever been in a church before in his life.
0: Did you greet him at the door? Did you? I mean, because really, yeah, we had a meeting
1: place. We met in the lobby. Oh, I told him okay. I'd be waiting in a certain Good. spot in the lobby, and so yeah, he came in. and found this, You
0: can't miss the lobby. Well, and but it's so key that i'm just I'm interrupting you because it's so key we invite people to church if somebody hasn't been to church walking into some yeah. of our you know I go to a bigger church, you go to it's a bigger intimidating. church oh my gosh, i mean these i mean you talk about people were sweating and it's oh, because yeah. they're worried about the lightning effect,
1: oh yeah, they thought the seat might catch fire or something where they sat so uh yeah. so anyway, yeah, I met him in the lobby we uh we walked in and uh i, I put him here beside my wife we uh had an incredible service. Pastor Willie, of course, is the best communicator of the gospel in the world. He had a, uh, kind of his first kickoff of his sermon series, and it was kind of like first things first. And he talked about you know, fitting big rocks into a jar, then you put the smaller rocks, then you can fit the sand and the other things in your life. And he said most people uh, don't have room for the big rocks in their life. That's the big things of, of life. And so uh, we uh, had a great service. I took him out to eat afterwards, went to a Mellow Mushroom restaurant and uh sat down there, very quiet table, and uh I looked at him and that was kind of a I I said it's it kind of like a leap board, a jumping board, diving board that he he kind of dove off of what Pastor Willie had talked about in that sermon. And I just asked him, I said, "Let's back up to our first initial counter, Dave. I said, has anyone ever taken the time to share how you can have peace with God and he said no one has ever done that no one's ever done that and I said well would you mind if I just kind of opened up the scriptures and walked you through how you could have a peace with the Lord and he said please do that please do that so I slid my chair around and I opened up the scriptures I just let him scripture by scripture just starting off with our need and that we're you know we're all sinners we all fall short and then I had him read you know Romans three twenty three, and I asked him what does that verse say to you and Verse by verse, you know, I just ask him what does each verse that I led him through say to him, and then we got to that last verse in Revelation three twenty, where it just says, you know, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone will open the door and allow me to come in, I'll have fellowship with him, and he'll have fellowship with me. And I said, Dave, I said, uh, this is your opportunity to allow Christ to come into your life. Is there any reason why you wouldn't be willing to do that? And Boy, he just welled up with tears, and uh, you could just tell the burden was just heavy on him, and he said, I need Christ as my Savior. And uh, right oh. there in the restaurant, he uh, bowed his head and uh, confessed Jesus as Lord, and uh, and you know, here just two weeks ago, we were able to have the joy of, uh, you know, I was able to baptize him here at Calvary, and uh, to share that story with the congregation, and uh It's just been a very powerful story to so many people. And, uh, you know, it's just just one of many stories that are happening all around this church. There's so many people that are out there just even doing it better than I do it. But I just wanted to share that story with you so you could, like, uh, have someone out there be encouraged.
0: Well, and, and that's why I wanted to bring you on because really what you did is you were paying attention. And that's something that we all need to be doing every day. We, we get so busy, we miss the people. And this is something I pray all the time. Lord, help me not to miss the people you put in my pathway. Amen. As I'm running from one place to the next. And, and it is it's so important that we just slow down a little bit because there are hurting people all around us. That's right. And, and they desperately need to hear the truth about Jesus. And a lot of times you know we're so busy and we're like, oh, and like there's been times where I've walked out of the room going, oh, blew that deal. I gotta walk back in. and deal with it but how did you get so comfortable in sharing the gospel situational evangelism hey what i mean is you're saying you you notice the situation and you just shared your heart and what christ has done in your life but how did you get so comfortable in doing that because many of us get crippled when we start to think i don't really know how to do this Sure, good good, good question. Uh, yeah, basically, you know, God doesn't
1: put a spirit of fear in us. He gives us a spirit of power. And uh, so we don't have the spirit of timidity. We, we, have a, we have a spirit of power. And I, and I really just kind of believe it just kind of starts with uh, knowing that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And waking up every morning, like you just said, you wake up and you pray, Lord, would you put someone in my path that I might be able to share with today? I'm just one hungry beggar. Showing another hungry beggar where to get food, and I just uh, I love pointing people to Jesus, and uh, He just is so faithful to always put some in front of me, and it's like uh, shooting fish in a barrel. Whenever you just pray that way every morning, that God would put somebody in your in your path, and so God just drops them right here, and our job is just to be faithful, obedient, and sharing the gospel, and uh, that's what I I strive to do is just to be faithful in what God's shown me. And just to remember what lostness is like. I think a lot of time we forget what being lost is like. Mm. And uh, it's so important that we have an urgency for and passion for for uh, telling people the greatest need of their life. Our greatest need of our whole life is really God's forgiveness. And uh, if we don't have God's forgiveness, you know, we're we're really doomed to a, a devil's hell. And so uh, we all need forgiveness. And there's forgiveness at the cross. And there's forgiveness through, you know, John 3, 16. It's just a beautiful verse of... What God's done for us, and well, answers. and I think
0: that that's that's what you're saying is so important for us all to hear. And we do. We, I love what you just said. We forget what it was like to be lost. And our worship pastor at our church this past week just reminded us, "Hey, we we forget the concept of how." grateful we should be for what we've been saved from what are we being saved from i mean the horrors of hell and being separated from god people are saying well well it's you know i know a lot of people who are separated from god yeah but they're still protected by the grace that encircles this globe at this point in time common grace i believe is what it's called that 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 we you know we don't know what it's like to be totally separated from God because none of us have really experienced it. Because there's there's God around us and lots of other and lots of other people, but hell is a horrible place. And to be saved from hell and the torment of our sins the rest of our lives, that's what we've, what we've been saved from, and that's what Jesus came to die to prevent us having to pay that price. Amen. But, but a lot of times we don't walk with that knowledge. We're so busy. We get so caught up with the stupid of our lives that we miss. Wow, there's only one thing that we really need to be worrying about every day. Amen. And it's like you just said, hey, Lord, who are you going to put in front of me? So you really pray that every day? Yes, Lord, sir. put somebody in my path? Oh, yeah,
1: every day. And wake up and put my share Bible in my back pocket, and um, I'm I just uh, his – soldier ready to go to work so uh so you,
0: what your share bible you mean your share jesus without fear bible uh yeah it's like a little small pocket bible it's like okay. a, a little black
1: checkbook or something that looks like anything but a real bible and it's just a share bible i found that there's just a different dynamic when you open the word of god with a person when you don't and and the share bible just kind of helps you uh have the permission to to open it up and uh let them see for themselves and, and let the holy spirit draw them i can't save anybody at all It's all the work of the Holy Spirit that draws a person to himself. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I I just point people to the scriptures and let the Holy Spirit do his work.
0: Well, and I love that. And we need to understand that it is the Holy Spirit acting in us. Hey, they were talking with Victor Bull. This is the first half of the show. Victor Bull, if you're just tuning in right now, shared a story on Facebook about he got an opportunity to minister to the guy fixing his tire. And eventually led him to the Lord and even got a chance to baptize him at church. This is an amazing story, but it's one of many stories that's not just happened just at Victor's church, but around the city of Tampa Bay and around the world every day. People are coming to the Lord by and they're being told about Jesus by people who are just saying, hey... That person looks like they're hurting. Which is part of the I work for him nation challenge, Victor, to pray for the people that we work alongside every day, then look for ways to serve them and befriend them, but really pay attention to the days when we notice that they look like they're having a rough day. So we could say, Hey, what's going on? Yeah.
1: Exactly. And then they
0: share it. And then they share it and you go, Hey, can I pray with you about that? And all of a sudden the door I've never had anybody who's having a rough day say no. That's never. Right ever once and then you get an opportunity to share what jesus is doing in your life when you when you open up that relationship people know that you care and then they want to hear why you care right
1: well that's true and you know i always say uh the gospel offends but we don't have to offend you know the, god's work is he's like a line you don't have to defend him you just let him loose and let him uh go to work and he'll defend himself so just let scripture do its work
0: well, do you have any examples or maybe some how-tos to recognize the people that God has put in your pathway? How, If you're praying every morning, Lord, shove, buddy, shove somebody in front of me that I can share what Jesus has done in my life, I can share the good news of the gospel with, how do you recognize those people that the Lord has put in your path?
1: Well, I mean, a lot of times, I think that one of the key, um, keys to, to witnessing is really to be a good listener. Um... A lot of times I'll just listen to what people are saying. Sometimes I'll listen to what people are not saying. Um, uh, Because sometimes you can ask questions. You can drop questions. It's kind of like a funnel. Um, You know, if you ask a a question, it's like a funnel. It draws the conversation to a certain point. And uh, you're talking to somebody maybe about biking one time and, and, you know, going bicycling, and they ask, uh, you know, some, some things about where they went biking. And you could say, you know, well, where's a good place to go biking? And, that might lead to bigger conversations, and, and then you're talking to some neighbor one day and uh, maybe they're washing their their car and and they start talking about maybe someone's sick in their home and uh, you could just prayer is a good way to, to bridge a relational bridge with a person. You could just say "I'm praying for your son who's sick." if they mentioned they're, someone's sick or someone's hurting or in the hospital, you can uh, always bridge a conversation with prayer. Um, but you're listening to what they're saying in a conversation, just like Dave was talking about. He had a, talked about a problem in his, in his relationship with his wife. And, um, you know, I just since I perceived, Dave, that you have bigger problems going on at home than, than just your wife. And, and he said, boy, don't, it, I, I sure do. I, I have got a lot of problems going on in my life. I, I've got a messed up life. So you're just Did, listening to what they're saying and, and, and just uh, let the Lord kind of guide that conversation to a point.
0: Did you ever get to meet Dave the Tire Changer's wife? I uh, have not yet, no. Okay, well, so there's still there's still room for the you and Amy continues. in that relationship. That's right, the story continues. All right, so where, you know you mentioned in your email exchanges that you're really passionate about evangelism, and it's come out in your story as you've shared with us today. Just offer so as we're closing out this segment, offer some just encouraging words to those listening today who are thinking, I could never do what Victor did, but go ahead and offer some words of encouragement.
1: Well, I'd, I'd encourage everybody that it's our role. Uh, if you call yourself a Christ follower, it's it's our responsibility. I mean, uh, if you have the cure to cancer and you kept it a secret and didn't tell anybody, uh, that would really be kind of criminal, is what I would call that. And uh, we know we have something that's even more powerful than the cure to cancer. We have the words of eternal life. We have what God's given us. He's given us a command to go you therefore and to proclaim the gospel. And uh, so uh, we have a great commission. And if you're a serious follower of Christ and you take that role serious, uh, we have the privilege of the process, I always say, to... uh, guide people. And uh, a lot of people sometimes say, well, I just witness with my life. Well, that's great. We all should be witness with our life. But I also say, you need to be witnessing with your lips.
0: Yeah, every once in a while, you got to connect those words. That's right. Yeah, And
1: how will they know unless someone tells them? You know, you think about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. I mean, here's a, a man who was sitting on the a, a, a chariot reading some scriptures even from Isaiah. He didn't understand about it. And Philip, it says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was told to go stand by that chariot. So, what a
0: great story that is. Victor, I want to thank you so much for coming on iWork for him today and sharing your story about you and Dave the Tire Changer. And thank you for sharing the fact that he's he's now a member of the body of Christ and we'll get to meet him in the the kingdom of heaven one day. Victor Bull, thanks for coming on iWork for him. Thank you, Jim. As I said at the beginning of the show today, we're kind of talking about, well, not kind of, sorry. We're talking today about workplace testimonies. How is the Lord working in your life? And you just got done hearing from Victor Bull about his story with Dave the Tire Changer. Well, now we're going to flip coasts. We're going to go to the West Coast, and we're going to talk with Christine Rico. She works for a big tech company out on the West Coast, and she's got a story of how her faith is active in her workplace. Christine Rico, welcome to I Work For Him. Hey Jim, thanks was, for having me. Oh, I'm so glad that you, you could connect up with us today. I know it's still, it's like lunchtime there on the West Coast, but it's so glad that you could tune in. You know, when I got to meet you and hear a little bit of your story in October, I'm like we have got to hear this, not not to mention, number one, you're a young lady, you're a millennial, and you're working in a world that doesn't necessarily appreciate Jesus. And so I wanted people to hear your story. Go ahead and just answer this question first. So before we get into the meat of the conversation, the meat of your testimony, As you look at 2017, how would you like the Lord to work in your life this year?
2: That is a great question. And ultimately, my goal in life is to be faithful to the greatest commandment, uh, which Jesus summarized for us very well in Matthew 22, which is to love God and love others. And... My goal and my desire this year is that God might just help me develop a deeper compassion and love for others, even those that may be difficult to like. <laughs> um, and I just feel that, you know, in, in the place where God has me and in with just everything going on around in our world in our country, there is a huge deficit in love. Um mm. And I just, really, that is my prayer, is that I might just be able to see people like Jesus did and develop a deeper compassion and love for them.
0: That, I love that. And and, and that's really why I push every day for people to join the I Work For Him Nation, because as we start to pray for those people that we work alongside, that starts to naturally happen, because we start to get a heart and a passion for those people, even the most difficult ones in our lives. But we start mm-hmm. to we start to see them the way our heavenly are, Father are, sees them,
2: and there are a lot of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you work in but, a very big company. Not everybody works in a big tech company on the West Coast. But when you say there are a lot of them, you're, there are a lot of people that need prayer. Is that what you mean? <laughs>
2: No, there's just, there. There, I do work for a large tech company here on the West Coast, and uh, in the role that God has me in, I work with hundreds of different people, not just on the West Coast, but globally as well. Okay. So I just, I have the the joy, and, and at, at times a challenge as well, of just having to work with very different kinds of people from different cultures, different backgrounds, different political views, different religious views. Um, and at times, you know, just naturally, it may be difficult to connect with these people and to see good in them. But, you know, I, I always go back to that command, and I always go back to the way Jesus Christ lived His life. And you know, even when He was up on that cross, He asked, you know, that His Father might forgive them, for they know not what they were doing. And that just kind of breaks my heart and, and kind of sh- Helps motivate me to try my best, even when it's difficult, even when, you know, just naturally you may not get along with the other person. But God, you know, my prayer every day is that He might just help me to love Him and love others.
0: Mm, that's such a great, uh, praying for compassion and love for others is fantastic, Christine. And I love that you're doing that. We're talking today with Christine Rico. She works for a big tech company over on the West Coast. And, and I heard a little bit of her story and I said, hey, I would love for you to call in and share your testimony of of how is it working being a Christ follower in the midst of a world, a tech world, which the tech world tends to be very reliant on itself and denies the existence of God because they're all powerful and they think they got everything figured out. But we all know the truth. But it's still fantastic to hear the stories of uh, of one person who knows they can make a difference, even in a world that's so much bigger than them. Let's just step back for a second, Christine. How did you Mm -hmm. become a Christ follower?
2: Hey, Jim. So I was blessed to be born in a family of Christ followers. So I repented of my sin, put my faith in Jesus, and became a child of God at the age of seven through the ministry of my parents and my local church. But I will say that I did not fully understand what it means to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ until probably the age of 21. Mm. Um, And that's when the greatest commandments and the Great Commission became more real for me and not just head knowledge, but actual transformative truth in my life. So it, it, it was quite a journey.
0: That's very, very cool. Now, you work for a large tech company, which we're not going to talk about their name today, but what exactly do you do on a day-to-day basis? You, you mentioned you're talking with people from all over the world. What's your talent? What's your skill? What's your, what's your gift that you do on a day-to-day basis?
2: So God currently... Has me, uh, as you mentioned, in a large tech company here on the West Coast, and I manage global expansion initiatives from early diligence through implementation. So nobody
0: listening understands a word of what you just said.
2: <laughs> so basically, I I help our business expand into new markets, mainly emerging markets, helping to identify what those opportunities are and ultimately executing on them. Um, so that technically, you know what what I do and what I might get paid for, but really, the, the way that I like to think about my work is glorifying God by helping my company and the people around me survive. Hmm.
0: That's good. I like that. Now, Martha and I got to meet you in Texas at the Faith and Work Summit that we went to in late October. How did you make that connection between your faith and your work and knowing that, hey, those things should be completely intermingled. It should be part of the tapestry of my life. Who taught you that? <laughs> That's a funny
2: question um, it's it's been quite a journey <laughs> that there was no one person that taught me that I, I will I will suggest that it, it, it was kind of a multi-year process but ultimately as I got to know Jesus more um, and got to know his word better the Great Commission really stuck out to me you know that is you know, the last thing that Jesus said to His disciples before they ascended into heaven, to go and make disciples. It wasn't an option. It wasn't just for a particular group of people, but the way that I understood it and the way that it hit my heart is that, hey, you know, that calling to go and make disciples of all nations is applicable for everyone, including myself. And I just started thinking, hey, that's, that, Thing, that command is probably really important to Jesus. If that's the last thing that He told His followers, so then I started just to ask a lot of questions. You know, how do I, how can I be faithful in making disciples while God has me working where I work? You know, then I started to ask myself. You know, what if, what if work is my mission field? Um, there are hundreds of people that I work with that I have an opportunity to work with, and many if not all those people, will likely not come to church with me or set foot in a church building (laughs) Um, or perhaps ever hear the gospel, but I do have a chance to work alongside them for many, many hours in a day. Um, So what if these people are actually the mission field that God has called me to? Um, And at the same time, I believe that God has gifted me in certain areas where i can be successful in a business environment and i actually enjoy it and i know it's kind of weird but i actually like what i do <laughs> and i and i enjoy business and wait, i wait, have wait, a lot of fun
0: but, but stop there for a second because why is that weird yeah, because you I, have a clear understand that the lord has has really gifted you with something and it's okay to be excited about what he's given you a passion for and for you to execute on that i think it's great it's a great understanding
2: yeah, no, I think it, it it is a huge blessing, but there's also in my context when I grew up, there was always sort of this conflicting notion between work and church because the idea was if you were too kind of consumed with work, you're not spending as much time doing kind of work in the church. You see what I mean? Yeah. And so part of me for a long time almost felt a little guilty that I enjoyed work so much. Um, and perhaps there was a valid reason why that was, but, you know, in recent years, I've come to realize, hey, you know, what if work and my calling to make disciples actually go together? And there's a reason why that I'm here that is beyond just, you know, making money for my company.
0: So, how do you live? I mean, how do you live out your faith in the workplace? Are you are you allowed to openly share your faith? If somebody says, "Christine, what's different about you?" You know, tell me what's going on. Are you able to answer their <laughs> questions and share your faith?
2: Absolutely, and I okay. do. Um, okay. and I I am blessed to be in a company that pretty forward thinking in terms of inclusion and diversity in general. So not just in terms of faith, but in terms of cultures and genders and, um, you know, just very forward thinking and allowing people to bring their whole selves to work. So that said, you know, I, I am welcome to pray um, at work, like before I eat or whenever Um, I can, I feel very confident and, you know, uh, I, I feel safe being able to talk about um, what I did on the weekend. you know, when people ask me, I, and it usually involves something around church, so I'm able to talk openly about that, and, and oftentimes I do get asked, um, you know, what I believe in, and when I am asked that, I have been equipped enough, and I, I credit that to my pastors and leaders in the past who have allowed me to be equipped um in, in knowledge of the word so that I feel confident being able to explain what I believe and being able to explain the gospel when I'm asked
0: um, what I believe. So do you get, ever get opposition? When, somebody say, when you get into a conversation, do you ever get people get in your face and go and start harassing you? And that might be a bad word, but just giving you a hard <laughs> time about um, your faith.
2: <laughs> I have not encountered that yet. Not Wait. to my face. Not okay. to my face. I, so I will. that's
0: important. I want. I want you to stop this right there for a second. So many people yeah. are thinking. Well, if I start talking about it, well, I'm going to get. I'm going to get in trouble, or people are going to give me a hard time. But you've not encountered it, and you work with hundreds and hundreds of people.
2: Yeah, and like I said, I think the my heart and my prayer is really that God might help me love others.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I know it sounds really cheesy, but that is what Jesus said. Is the first command and the second greatest command. So I'm I'm just trying to be faithful in that. And I pray that every day. And I think I believe that the best manifestation of loving somebody else is to share the gospel with them. And I genuinely believe that. Um, And so if God allows me that opportunity, I will take it. But the root and I guess the heart of the matter though, goes back to love. And from my experience, you know, I, I, you also sense when somebody might be closed off to it, and so you know, I won't, I won't push it or shove it in their face. But oftentimes, if somebody is asking me about it, they're already curious, and often they're the ones asking me a bunch of questions.
0: <laughs> right. So, at this big tech company that you work for in on the west coast of the United States of America, do they have any like employee groups that? Uh, hey, this is a if you're there's there's Bible study groups that you can go to, or there's there's I know some of the employee resource groups. I know some of these big companies have these yeah. employee resource groups. Is there one at your company?
2: Yeah, you know, there is actually. So that has been a great resource for me to be able to meet other believers here at the company. Um, and it's been very encouraging to, you know, to to just meet people that God has placed here and people who love God (laughs) and just want to be faithful and being followers of Christ. It's very refreshing, but I hope that also serves as an encouragement to your listeners, Jim, that not everybody who works in a large tech company here on the West coast
0: Is heartless. Oh wait a minute! That I did not use those words when I said it. I just that's is that what you heard when I said that? That's not what I said.
2: Maybe that's just what I heard. Not
0: heartless. I just know that a lot of tech, a lot of tech people think that they know more than God. Uh, The people Mm. running these tech companies, and I know that that is not true categorically we've had other guys on. we had a guy on from another big tech company in Texas and he shared about the incredible things going on. So Christine, I apologize. I had to cut you off, but you, no, were, no about, problem. you were about ready to challenge me on something I said, and I'm good with that. I, I didn't cut you off cause you were going to challenge me. I just had to take a break. So I had made this comment about a lot of people at tech companies don't recognize that their their wisdom and their knowledge comes from God. They often think that they're above God and you were going to counter something with me.
2: I, I don't necessarily disagree with that stereotype. Um, it, 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 can, it can be a challenge, but I will say there are uh, a lot of people that I've met here on the West Coast working at tech companies who are really trying to live their life for God. It's really challenging, though. It is really challenging. I will say that.
0: Well, and I love that, and I don't mind the correction either because I shouldn't stereotype, but I didn't say all of them either. I just want to know I said a lot of them. And really when I think of that, I think of the leaders of the major tech firms. I don't know that there's any of them that are going, hey, I love Jesus. Oh, yeah, the one guy that did, he got fired, uh, the Mozilla mm. guy, he got fired. So, you know, but when you think about that, the tech, it, it gets so easy. It's just like when Jesus said, hey, it's easier for the, the, uh, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I think it's easier for a lot of other people to recognize the hand of God than people who are technically geniuses who think they've got it all figured out. Uh, hmm. and because- now I'm not a technical genius. You're a millennial, so those kinds of things just come natural to you. I had to learn about. I lived a life where we had a phone connected to the wall and didn't have computers. So I remember my sister's first calculator cost four hundred dollars, and all it did was add, subtract, multiply, and divide. I remember stuff like that. So just it's a it's a weird world. But as a millennial, you're you're in a workplace and you like you said you're just out there loving people which gives you an opportunity to be very different than a lot of other people. There's a lot of hate, a lot of vitriol that's coming at us at every direction. How do mm. you see your work world? How do you see the world? Does it look good to you the future or does the future look bleak to you?
2: I ultimately the I think the near future looks I think a lot of people will continue to be uncomfortable in the near future. But I see the future very positively, personally, Um, just because, at least in my context, I am seeing God move in new ways that are exciting um, in the community that I am in. Um, And I think that the, the church, the followers of Christ in the church, I think there's... I think there is more desire to kind of break down barriers that may have existed in the past. And the people of God are really kind of understanding that we need to come together as the body of Christ. And there's power in that. There's hope in that, Mm -hmm. I believe. Um, And ultimately, ultimately, although, you know, there is a lot of pain and, and confusion and anger and frustration right now and in, in the world around us, as followers of Christ, we know where our true citizen- citizenship lies, and we know, ultimately, who wins the war. Uh, so with that, I am hopeful, I am optimistic, um, but that doesn't mean the journey's going to be easy. No,
0: um, no. But with...
2: Sure. Yeah, with the people of God coming together, though, as I'm seeing it, in at least here, where where I, where I sit right now, I I am very optimistic right now.
0: All right. So in the minute we have left in our conversation, speak to the millennials and the parents of millennials that are listening today about some encouragement. Number one, on how they can relate to you as a millennial young lady, how they can encourage <laughs> you in your faith.
2: Yeah, I will say, listen to one another for Folks who are millennials as well, we sometimes think that we have everything figured out. But I think uh, we need to remember to be humble and respect the experiences of others. And at the same time, those who wait, who are ahead in our in their journey, I encourage you to be open to new perspectives and to be willing to change your mind.
0: Wow! Wow! Now you're asking for a lot for people to change your mind. I'm just kidding, Christine Rico from a from a high tech firm on the west coast of the United States of America. Thanks so much for sharing your heart today. Thanks so much for being part of of I Work for Him and sharing just the amazing things that God is doing despite us narrow minded people on the other coast. I, you know, I, and being a 50 year old, sometimes I do get a little jaded, and I appreciate you getting rid of some of those edges because the Lord is doing amazing things in your company and other companies like yours through amazing people like you. Thanks for sharing that story today, Christine. Thanks, Jim. All right. As we come to the end of another I Work For Him radio program, I hope you heard Christine's heart. One of the ways she's trying to tackle the, the, the battle in her workplace is by loving people, showing compassion for people, and she's praying for it on a daily basis. And that was the story of Victor earlier today, showing compassion and love to his tire changer. Ladies and gentlemen, each day we are encountering people who desperately need the love of Jesus? We've got the answer. Make sure we share it. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field, but ultimately, I work for Him.